0: Welcome to the Tanya Acker Show. Welcome to the show. P.C. Williams is here. She is the costume designer for this fantastically funny show on Peacock Plus. The show is called We Are Lady Parts. It's about a Muslim women's punk rock band, which is not a storyline that one encounters on a regular basis. It's a really, really funny show. Uh, P.C. Williams is the costume designer, and the clothes, the wardrobe uh, in this show, I think is really a character in and of itself. That's something that P.C. and I talked about. But we also talked about how she got where she is today. She is living the dream. How did she get to that dream? P.C. reminded me that we all have some magic. We all have to remember the magic that we have. And we also have to remember to take that magic and work really hard. Here I am with PC Williams, costume designer for We Are Lady Parts. It's a very, very funny show. You can see it on Peacock Plus. Go watch the show and listen to my conversation with PC Williams. Here we are. Welcome to the podcast, P.C. Williams, costume designer for the phenomenal show uh, streaming on Peacock Plus. We are Lady Parts. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: So the show is just great. Um, We started the chat before. It's fun. Uh, It really is. Uh, It reminds me just first and foremost, I feel like people need a better way to find all of these great shows on all of the great streaming platforms because I was so excited to learn about it. The show is about an all-female Muslim punk band. It is hilarious, incredible cast, incredible writing. You are the costume Mm. designer, and uh, let's just Mm. jump right into that, because what I found is that this show really challenges the assumptions that one might make Mm. about a Muslim woman, you know, a a Muslim woman in traditional or uh, semi-traditional dress. That feels very intentional. Talk to me about that, PC.
1: Yeah, I think the... As women, we are challenging so many stereotypes of what we're meant to be, right? Like, what are you meant to look like as a career woman? What are you meant to look like as a mother? What are you meant to look like as a woman with religious beliefs and values? And kind of this show, to me, was like the perfect space to blend the cultural identity, but also with like a modern, current way of thinking. And so for me, these young women we're showing you that there isn't one way to be a Muslim woman. You know, I can be a Muslim Muslim woman in a niqab. I could also be a Muslim woman with like tattoos and half shaved hair. And it doesn't make my, how I present doesn't make me any more or any less in touch with my faith. And I think that's what we kind of wanted to do. Nida was incredibly intentional with her writing and all the actors were very intentional in the ways in which they presented these women to us so I think that together we came, we sort of curated a world which allowed us to make the statements that we made.
0: Well, it's interesting because you definitely make these statements. It seems, and I say this as someone of the Christian faith, we're more willing to admit of diversity mm-hmm. and variety amongst. Uh, Christians than we might be amongst Muslim yes. women. So you're not that surprised if you say you're yeah. a woman who says, Yes, you know, I read the Bible, I believe in Jesus, I have a tattoo, I do this and that. We're not. As surprised when we see that diversity amongst Christians, we're very surprised. And yeah. I'm speaking for me. I'll just speak for myself. Mm. It is more surprising and refreshing, frankly. How did you get involved with this project?
1: I met Nida, who's our writer and director, and Syrian, our EP, um, for lunch. A friend of mine, Sarai Gilani, is a production designer. She was already in conversations with, with Nida about various projects. And she was like, I just think you guys should connect. And that first meeting was the beginning of what I consider to be a, a, a building of a family. Um, we've gone on to we've done that. We've gone on to our, our, our film together, which you know is currently testing in the US. We've got you know there's and this this family that we're building is 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 beautiful. So I was introduced to Nida, and we kind of have a very similar approach to stuff. Like I'm not trying to present something that's not real. I'm not trying to present something that's that doesn't exist i'm trying to say we the world we live in isn't as binary as we think if we're just willing to look outside of like our square and i spend so much time just like watching people and i spent i spent 10 years teaching at a university uh, an arts degree at st St. martin's it's like coming across these young amazing minds and who are curious and that has enabled me to have the outlook I have when I begin to design costumes for whichever projects it is that I'm designing them for.
0: I was going to ask you about that and your process. The costume really is, and I admittedly, I watched the show knowing I was going to speak to you. So I really had my eyes on what folks were wearing, but the whole show is just very, it's very consuming. It's really, really funny. It's, it's a great, it's funny. It is funny. funny. I alluded to this, but there's a scene. (laughs) So one of these characters, one of these uh, Muslim women in the punk band drives uh, for a rideshare company. And as she's described in another publication, she has road race. She has some anger management issues. (laughs) And there is a scene where, uh, you know, she says what I think a lot of people would like to say to folks who find themselves in situations where, you know, they're kind of being taunted relentlessly. But, you know, I say all that to say that if you had just seen this character dressed as she was separate mm. from, but I, there still might be a, an intention. There still might be a temptation to judge her just by virtue of the fact that, mm. you know, she's wearing a headscarf. Like she's a Muslim woman who covers up, yeah. but she will tell you off.
1: <laughs> she will tell you off in no yes, uncertain And terms. she'll tell it to you straight. And she'll tell it to you know, straight. Aisha's costumes actually are very similar to what Juliet, who plays Aisha, wears. So Juliet is Iraqi, British Iraqi, and she has the most coolest style, you know, like, The girl just like walks into a room and you're like, wow, you notice her. It's like dark. It's sexy. It's Arabic. It's like, you know, she normally she doesn't she doesn't wear a head covering herself, but she she has this amazing big hair. But she's quite modest in what she wears. She just has really cool clothes. And so when we were figuring out what the aesthetic of Aisha was, There was no point in me trying to rewrite who this badass was because I was being presented with someone who was authentically a badass so I spent loads of time on her Instagram and found images of her that I loved and I me and my team just shopped to those boards shopped in thinking about what would she wear and we sent her this was during COVID so we weren't able to do fittings as as normal but we sent her like five suitcases of clothes and was like have fun and just send me pictures of what you like and what you want to wear. And so she'd sent me like selfies in her mirror, just like, this looks kind of cool or I'm really into this or I like these trousers, but I'm not. And we just made looks organically together in that sort of way. And it was, it was a very exciting way to design because it was different to how I was designing for the other characters. You know, someone like Bisma who's played by a lady called Faith. Faith is me. She's my sisters. She's my cousins. We're, British Nigerian, you know, we were born in the UK, but our families aren't from here. Our families are from Nigeria. My dad is from Guyana. My business is me. She's my sister She's my cousins. We're British. We're like born in London, but we are we aren't from London. You know, we're we're British Nigerian. So our cultural identity, something that you are, is drilled into you as a kid. You go to all the weddings. You wear traditional traditional clothes to you, you wear traditional clothes. When you go to like, family parties, you listen to Nigerian music, you listen to Guyanese music and Guyanese foods, you eat Guyanese food and stuff. And when I was designing her costumes, it was really important to me that we got a true sense of how close she was to her African identity, but also how close she was to her London identity. And a lot of it is like pairing the London identity with your cultural identity identity and presenting that to the viewers through the, through our show.
0: There's a scene where Amina, one of the characters, I guess, who's the, the last one to join the band. The uh, yeah. Or, originally, she had other yeah. plans um, and then she decides to join the band. But there's a scene... Where she sort of has this transformative moment and she walks into her closet surrounded by all of these clothes. And again, it just reminded me that the wardrobe here really is, it's almost another character. It's making a statement about these women and mm. who they are. Tell us how you became involved mm. in costume design. And more importantly, for a lot of my listeners, tell us how you were able to make a living at it because you are living many, many people's dream.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it's not lost to me every day how lucky I am. To, that this gets to be the life that I live, you know? I spend a lot of time practicing gratitude. I'm living my dream and so many people don't get to live theirs. And so I'm very conscious and aware of that. And it makes me even more hungry to, 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 to stay here. I went to an arts university and I studied uh, design, textile design, I in knitwear. And then I came out of that with, with my degree and went on to style and was styling musicians. So everyone from like Stormzy to Lil' Kim to M&EK, Flame, like just working in music. So I was doing lots of music styling. And a friend of mine who went I went to school school with, like high school with, you guys would say, she was doing directing and we just started collaborating and I just started doing all the, the costumes for her stuff, whether it was commercials or films. And I just love storytelling. So I kind of have not really, I've not gone down the route of, This is exactly. I'm only a music stylist, or I'm only a sportswear stylist, or I'm only a costume designer. I've I've kind of gone down the route of whichever opportunities come my way that feel true to me and what I want to say and who I am. Those are the opportunities that I take on. Now it might be that I am one day doing a film and the next day working with Nike on like a like a sportswear campaign. Those two things feed into me as a, as a creative and as a storyteller as an individual. And so I shouldn't let the fact that they're in separate realms stop me from doing what I, it was that I was born to do, you know? So I think that's being open to opportunities is something that you need to take with both hands if you're wanting to be a creative. Also, like you think about it, creativity now, the jobs that are around today weren't necessarily around 15 years ago. You know, and so like you're you're constantly we're creating and developing new ways of working. So you get to really curate the place, the space that works for you, and define what that will be. And whether that means that you have five things that you're really good at, or you have one, it's about you as an individual and 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 working that out. You know, so that's I would say that's how I've managed to make a, a living from this. Also, this isn't it's fun. But it's all my job. And if I'm not making a living with my job, then I'm um, it's a hobby. And so when it moves into the idea of it's no longer a hobby, but it's actually what I need to pay my mortgage, what it's need, I need to pay my studio fees, what it needs to pay my team, I need to make sure that I'm consistently working at being better than I was yesterday in order to keep progressing and keep doing the things that I want to do. And, you know, sometimes I take on jobs that aren't necessarily the most fun, but it's the right thing to do because this is a business. And I've got to think about it like that, you know, and I think sometimes we get a bit lost in the idea of having this really fun Instagram life. And <laughs> the second it becomes difficult, it's like, oh, God, no, this isn't what I signed up for. And it's like, bro, that's the job. <laughs> you know, that's like that's what we're. That's that's what, what we're here to do. Life is like a box of chocolates. One day you're going to have something sweet, the next day you're going to have something sour. But each time your taste buds are developing and you're learning what works for you, what doesn't work for you, and how to take that into the next thing, you know? So yeah, not being scared of hard work, I think, is also how I'm able to earn a living. <laughs> what was your
0: first big break? When did you know that you were on a path that was going
1: to allow you to be able to make a living from living the dream? Mm-hmm. When I joined Stormzy's team for his album was the first big thing I I think of. That means that other the other breaks weren't so big, but they were. When I did my first feature film, I was 25, and I had no costume experience. So that was a huge break. But when I joined Stormzy's team, I went from doing something that I was like, yeah, I can do this, to being like, oh, no, I can. I have something here that's I can't put my finger on, but I know in my gut, it's something. In that moment, you know, I I remember being like 27 and like earning like no money, um, which is standard. (laughs) If you (laughs) you work in creative industries in London, you come out of a degree and you are basically poor for five years. But I remember being, and I remember the time when I went from being, having to, being able to pay for my studio and also having money left. And that was like, oh, wow. Okay. This is, this is, Because you have to invest in yourself, right? So you can make money, but you're putting it right back into what it is that you're doing. So you don't really see any return, like financial return for a little while, right? But the second it goes from you're making money and you're being able to reinvest in yourself and then you have some left over, that for me was when I joined Stormzy's team. And I was like, okay, I'm now being able to see this as like the, the business model makes sense to me.
0: I'm also interested in what you said about being 25, And getting a job on Mm. a feature film with no previous experience. Mm. That takes Mm. a certain degree of confidence and security. And I want you to explain to people how you walk in and walk into Mm. a room and go get something that Mm. maybe you never had a taste of before. How did you do that? How did you, with no experience, Mm. go in and get a job on a movie?
1: So I, I had, I had experience, but in commercials, I didn't have any experience in film, long form film, short form films and had none of that. Right. I genuinely believe there is only one of me. It's as simple as that. I walk into every room and I know it. There's one of me. If I, if this is mine, it's mine. And you know, it's not, the, not, it's not a cockiness where I can walk into a room. I haven't got to, I haven't got to put in the work. I don't have to put in the hours and no, no, no. I put in the hours. I make the boards. I, 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 I prepare myself, but I walk in with a confidence that's, that's outside of me it's bigger than me and so when I walk into a space and I'm presented with opportunities I'm humble enough to know that you know what if this is my job these are the holes that need to be plugged in in order for me to succeed in this space and that's what I do I get it and then I fill in those holes with the right people to join the team to make that be what it is I go into a job like powder room with no experience I'm hiring people with experience what do I need to do to make this a success here are my ideas but how do they become a reality now if you go and hire your mates who have as little experience as you of course it's going to be a massive you know I don't know if you can swear on this show but a shit show you know but like if you go and hire but if you go and you plug it in with people who have experience people who want to pass that knowledge on people who really enjoy their jobs and this you know because it's it's the it's different things that go with people who have experience but who want what you have It's another thing to find people who have experience and genuinely love the space they're in because you can't be working in competition with your team. You've got to be working together going towards that same goal. So you need to plug it in with people who love what they do and have no desire to do what you do because then together you make this beautiful whole piece, right? And there's things that I, you know, I now have we lucky we've got like a breakdown team. I have no desire to go and be a breakdown artist, but I love what a breakdown artist brings to a job. And I want to learn about it and I want I want to understand it. Those are the kinds of people you need to bring in when you get these opportunities, because they're the ones who help push you to the next stage of your career.
0: It almost sounds like, you know, you talk about building a professional team in a way, mm. you know, where it almost sounds like they're a bit of a family, a functional family, <laughs> I should say. It sounds like a very, uh, a functional family. What mm. was your family like? You said they your are. father was Nigerian. They really are. Uh, your mother was uh, Guyanese, or maybe I transposed that. Did you, but you grew up in London.
1: My father's Guyanese and my mum's Nigerian and they met on a bus in London. I've actually never known them to be together, which is a really interesting way, considering I never I never considered myself to have been brought up in like a single parent home. They were they were in, in like beautiful co-parenting and teaching me and my siblings about like love. My parents, you know. We 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 lived with them each half of the time, half of the week with one, half of the week with the other. But both of my parents have always. Well, my mum, they both did worked with like young people, in like development. But they were both also self employed. So they've always worked for. My dad has always worked for himself, and my mum, um, has gone between working in social social work to working for herself to being a therapist. So, they're they're the kind of people where, they. They know what they bring to a table. And so they instill that sense of belief in each of us. And so we've each gone into the world with this sense of I'm meant to be here. And I, as I get older and I work with more people, I realize that that's not necessarily a a common thing, which is a shame because I think we're all meant to be here. And the, the more you believe that to your core, the more successful you are at life because you're doubting yourself less, right? When it comes to my functional family of my team, we spend 12 hours of every day at a minimum together. You've got to like these people, otherwise your days are pretty rubbish. And so I and so I make sure that when we're doing up, it's like people that we like and we want to hang out with, you know, and, we, you know, we seem to go from job to job together, core team tending just to work as a group, sticking together where it's, it's, it's beyond work. It's now we're, we're, we're embedded in one another's lives, but in a really healthy, I, I've got your back. And because you know I have your back, you go above and beyond. And because I know you have my back, I go above and beyond. You know, we, we're not doing to get, we're doing because it makes the team stronger. Yeah, I'm really lucky.
0: Were your parents supportive of the notion of you pursuing a career in the
1: arts? I'm the kind of person that I don't really tend to listen very well. So
0: So I don't know there was much
1: (laughs) noise. You know, I think my 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 Nigerian family were like, "Uh uh-uh, she's going to study arts. What is she gonna do with this kind of degree? Ah, Jumai, Jumai, why isn't she a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer? And I was just like, I'm just done with reading books and being told what to do. Um, now though they're the ones who'll be like, ah, have you seen what she's done? She's just done this and she's just done. It's very, it's very interesting the the the, the change in tone. But my parents, to be fair, have always been, you know, when I was like when we were, when I was thinking about colleges, and I was like, I don't want to go to college. And my mum was like, no, you should go to college. And if if you go to an arts college, maybe you'll be happier there. And I, you know, she found she was the one who found the college that I went to. Um, you know, my dad has always been like, you. You're fulfilling so many of like my grandma, when she emigrated to the UK from Guyana, was a cleaner and worked in a in a clothes in a seamstress store. And he's like, you know, you're these things that your grandma couldn't even have imagined, you're now doing. I think my my not not just my my you know recent generations, but I think ancestrally the arts are something that runs deep in the blood of my ancestors and, and is manifesting through me in a way where I just feel proud to carry a legacy that I'm not 100% sure of in terms of facts, but just feel.
0: You gave me chills uh, when you talked about what your father said. I mean, if you really think about the magnitude and enormity Mm. of your grandmother or great grandmother Mm. and my great grandmother Looking at, looking at us right yeah. now um, that uh, it gives me, it, it really does give me chills. Uh, P.C. Williams, costume designer for We Are Lady Parts. What is next for you? Where will we, what's the next project?
1: I'm currently on a, a project um, called The End We Start From, which is Jodie Comer's new movie, um, being directed by a lady called Mahalia Bello. I'm very excited about that. We're we're three weeks out from filming. So it's all a bit like, but it's gonna get there. And it's very different from the things I've done. The last two movies I did, the one with Nida from Lady Parts, it's called Polite Society. And that's currently testing, I think in the States. Um, So waiting to see how that goes. But it's basically locked, and then I just finished a film with um, a director called Kidway Taveras, which is based in like twenty forty four London, a dystopian future. Very me as a girl from East London, being able to depict how I imagine our world to be, but not so far away from where we are now. And that's with Netflix. Like two weeks from now.
0: Exactly two weeks
1: from now. Oh my god! It's hot in London. I heard it's very very hot there. There's a lot happening. It's very hot. (laughs) you know what's really interesting the film I'm currently on now the one with Jodie Comer is actually about climate change and a lot of what we're seeing in the scripts the last week has just been a reflection of and I find it really strange when I have conversations with people and they're refusing to take heed to the fact that we have a lot of work to do to keep our planet, being the planet that we can exist on, and so it's really nice in in this moment to create a film that's a reflection of that. And hopefully, people, you know, like, did you watch that film? Don't look up. Yes, I was. It
0: was yes, I, I did it's, it. Oh. it. But you know what? It's sometimes it was almost. Um, like, too close for comfort. You know, It just it's too mm.
1: close. It's real. Yeah. It, it's about so real. It's another thing like that. So I'm, I'm excited. It's, it's its a good time. It's a good time to be Miss PC Williams.
0: All of those projects sound phenomenal. Uh, Jodie Comer is another one where um, almost everything I've seen her and her wardrobe makes a statement
1: of its own. So that'll be really fun. It's really fun. It's also really... Um, scary because it's uh it's probably the design spectrum I'm, I'm trying to curate here is a lot subtler than the things that i usually lean on which is like colors and textures and, and and things which have life you know and i'm talking about a world which is life we're in a disaster and how we don't have as much access is it, i know it's it, it's 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 I feel like there are big boots that I'm um I'm, I'm I know that are in the room. I'm just waiting for my shoes to to fill them. But it's yeah, it's coming. It's gonna be cool. It's gonna be cool. It's 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 just different. It's my mind is having to to I'm challenging, I'm being challenged in what I can do and the ways I can do it, and the ways that ring true to who I am as a creative and as a storyteller. And that's you know, the only thing you can ask for.
0: The difference between creating something dystopian and dark as opposed to Mm -hmm. kind of indulging the brightness and the vivid life Mm -hmm. that you normally do in your work. That does sound challenging, Mm -hmm. and I still can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. P.C. Williams, costume designer, uh, We Are Lady Parts, thank you so much for being here. I do hope you'll come back. I really, really do. I've had such a great time.
1: I will. When the films come out, I'll come back. And we can have like a catch-up yes, of for what sure. it's been like in the last few I would week. love
0: that. Yes. Thank you for having me. Done.
1: <laughs> done. You
0: heard it here. She's coming back. Yay. Thanks, PC.
1: <laughs> Thank you.